Welcome to episode 99 of Monday State of Mind. Last episode in the double digits before we hit 100. I can't believe it. I have to tell you guys, I was telling my husband that I was recording episode 99. And he's like, honey, are you going to title it? I got 99 problems, but sobriety ain't one. I was like, honey, that's not what we're talking about. But yeah. I got 99 problems, but sobriety ain't one. Okay. Thank you, Jesse, my amazing husband for bringing that up today. And with that being said, I do have an incredible guest to continue our amazing theme for March, which is significant loss and sobriety. How do we deal with it? What works? What doesn't work? What are some great resources? And that is what this amazing human is here to provide you guys with. I have to tell you guys, the human that is here with me today, he is just incredible. Me and a lot of my friends are always saying, hey, when I grow up, I want to be this person. He is, I'm just going to say it. He's like an icon in the recovery world. He's so open. And when you meet this person, you just want to be around him all the time because he just exudes this beautiful energy of possibility and that life really can be so full of joy. And I'm so grateful that he is here today with me and took time out of his schedule to gift all of you amazing humans some knowledge on significant loss. So who do I have the pleasure of having on Monday State of Mind? Well, I'm Carver Brown, and I, I don't know who you were talking about. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was like thinking, I want to meet that guy, whoever that guy is. He sounds crazy <laughs> to me. I'm going to hang out. You let us know. We'll have coffee. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. yeah, no, it's you. It's Carver Brown. So okay. Carver, I approached you about talking about significant loss in recovery because, well, you're just a mobile with it, whether, you know, you can share your own personal experience and just you having resources, you know, the topic. And so when I asked you to talk about significant loss and sobriety, what were some of your initial thoughts? And is this something that you have personally dealt with besides educating people on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I'm I'm a man in long-term recovery from the disease of addiction and that means that since June the 14th of 2004 I haven't had the need to take a drink, take a drug or marry a stranger, which was a big <laughs> problem for me. So, I, yeah, I've had to work my recovery plan on you know, on a lot of levels. But, but <laughs> First and foremost, I kind of thought that my first thought was, you know, like when you think about the quality of recovery, you know, I always think about two things. I think about where am I carrying the message? But then number two is how am I handling my losses? And those two things, I think, make up like the quality of recovery. And the reality is, is that we all have gone through losses. I mean, if you're in recovery from the disease as I am, 
then you've had this significant loss of your life of your old coping strategies, your old way of doing things. And so that right there is a loss. But then the other side of the coin is, you know, then we could talk about family origin stuff. But the other thought I had was, is in the time that I've been in recovery, you know, I've been to more funerals in this time I've been in recovery than all of the years leading up to that. You know, we lose so many of our lifelong friends and just, and the people that we watch and the struggles, you know, that we go through, the pain that we've, we feel in the meetings and the communities that we've established. So there's all sorts of losses. And then if you grew up in an, in an addicted home, as I did, my dad was an alcoholic, my mom was alcoholic and addicted to pills. So there's all this ACA energy and the losses of childhood and traumatic events and things like that. So what happened to me was, have you ever had somebody give you a notion and you think, oh, what a great idea. And then you bop along a while. And then later, you know, you hear about it again, say, oh, that's a, what a great idea. And then all of a sudden you hear about it again and you go, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to do that. That's, I'm, <laughs> I think I've heard about this before. Well, that's what happened with me and our dear friend, Leonard Bade. Our friend, Leonard Bade, who helped to develop the uh, Betty Ford Alumni Program, said to me about this grief recovery method. And he told me about it. And I thought, oh, what, how wonderful is that? He told me again, like a year later, I'm, I'm so spiritually evolved that it takes me years sometimes for notions <laughs> to land on me. He said <laughs> again, and I thought, oh, that, that sounds like something really ought to look into. And then like another year or more later, he mentions it again. And I had, you know how we get one of those epiphanies, one of those like my heart just sort of opened up and I lost my breath as I think I must have said something along the lines of, oh my goodness, that's something that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And yeah. I said to Leonard, what do I do? You know how we are. You know, this is a program of action. I'm ready to take action. What do I do? Leonard said, it's all in a book. And, and the book is called The Grief Recovery Handbook by John James. And we'll put and, it in the show notes. Oh, you're the you're the best. Thank you. So John James is uh, Leonard's sponsor. So oh, Leonard's God. sponsor, yes, had written this book. I think it must be about 25 years ago. Now, I got to say, we lost John recently. He passed mm -hmm. just this last year. And so the story goes that John, a good old recovery man, and what I think was sitting on about six years of sobriety, and he had, had the life-changing spiritual experiences that we have in recovery. He was carrying the message to sponsees and others and had a home group and all of this out in California, but he was still suffering from these terrible losses that he had never, the steps had never helped him reconcile and learn how to grieve some of these significant losses in his life. And, and the story goes, he was about to commit suicide. And he had this, what I attribute to something along the lines of the Bill Wilson white light experience that Bill had in the hospital. John had this vision 
of what he needed to do in order to overcome this grief, in order to learn how to grieve. And he did the work himself, shared it with, I would I believe, I'm, I don't know this for if I would assume he shared it with his sponsor. And when he did, he had this sense of reconciliation and this sense of relief. And not, not that we ever overcome these things, you know, just like recovery, all of these processes are lifelong processes, but he found relief. And he started sharing this method with his sponsees. And his sponsees over the years then came to him and said, you need to write this in a book. And so he did. He wrote the Grief Recovery uh, Handbook. And then after the book went out, and it sold over a million copies by now, I have to tell wow. you. Yeah. And so then the notion was people need to be trained in this method. So he quit his job and he established the Grief Recovery Institute and started establishing these trainings that started going out all over the country. So Leonard said to me, in order to do this method, he said, find a partner get each of you get a copy of the book. And he says, it's very self-explanatory. I want you to read through the book. I want you to do the, the assignments that it tells you in the book. And then it's going to tell you to share your assignments. I want each of you having done this work to get together and then share, share your work together. So I grabbed our mutual friend, Dave Alexander in California and I said, mm -hmm. Dave, let's do this thing. And Dave said, absolutely. So I did my first one around my, my dad, who I had lost long before I got sober. And Dave did it on this breakup that he was, this uh, relational breakup he was going through and that he was struggling with really letting go and moving past. And so we both got copies of the book. Now we were, didn't even meet in person because Dave's in California and you can tell by my weird accent, I'm in Mississippi. And so, we, which meant that we could probably hardly understand each other, but nonetheless, the method works. And so he, we did our work. When the book said it was time to share, we got together, we shared our work. Then we go back to the assignments and you do the next. There's three sharing opportunities throughout this thing. And when you get to the end, you've accumulated and share a new clarity about your loss that I had never been able to achieve by doing fourth step inventories. As a matter of fact, you know, one way you can look at this is a laser focused fourth step inventory. It's one you're going to surgically go into this particular loss, and you're going to really examine it in three very important ways that helps you come out with a new vision of what it is I've actually been grieving and exactly what it is about my loss and where the suffering has come from. And here's the important part, to create and to enunciate these key statements that I never got to say. That the, and the things that in cases with people that are still in your life, things that are not appropriate to say. 
but that you need to say. And I found this amazing sense of relief. The same thing happened with Dave. And then we ended up both turning our attention into those we could help. So I have taken sponsees through this. I've taken groups uh, through. Well, what I then did was, you know how it is, I needed to get certified. I needed to learn more. So I found the certification. I took the course, got certified in the method to help me make sure that I wasn't missing anything as I deliver. I deliver this method to sponsees, to groups, and it has been an adjunct to my recovery that I got to tell you has been a real game changer for me and for the people that I'm working with. In fact, I'm meeting with a lady tomorrow who's driving over from Birmingham and we're going to be spending the day and we're going to be doing some of this grief work uh, with her. And I'm excited about sharing it. Now you may have questions. I've just dominated this whole thing. Yeah, I love it. I love that you brought that up. And I'm telling you, you guys listening, Carver is presenting an excellent resource because what I love that you shared on earlier, Carver, is that when we get into recovery, whatever program of recovery we choose, which both of us identify with the 12 steps, grief really isn't talked about. Grief is not something that we really dive into. And it's important for people in recovery to understand the importance of this work so that we don't let that be the excuse that takes us down or to go back out. And so I want to ask you, Carver, you've gone through this method and you're on the other side. What has this done for you with your recovery, being able to look at grief and not be so scared about it? Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, and I want to say, Michael, you bring up such a good point. It's not just the recovery community. You know, it's Western culture. Yeah. We don't know, you know, like I didn't know how to grieve because my parents didn't know how to grieve and didn't teach me how to grieve. I did not know. Why would I know something that I didn't know? And so, you know, I got all of these messages that were just not helpful time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Just stay busy. Oh, just stay busy and you'll work through it. No, you won't. Oh, there's plenty of fish in the, you know, we'll get you another, another cat or dog. I want the one I lost, you know, not a replacement. You see, so all of these things, we just, we get mixed messages. And so, one of the very first things we do, or I do when I work with clients, friends and clients is I, I show them that. We talk about the messages we got that just were not helpful. But to your point, the thing that is done is two things for me. I think that we suffer from an unbelievably high relapse rate from, from this disease. And I just personally believe that do you know that the smallest demographic in Alcoholics Anonymous is five to 10 years? Five to 10 years of sobriety only makes up 17%. It's estimated of the whole population. We lose so many people between five and 10 years. And I believe a lot of it is because of underlying issues that we're just not addressing. And for me, by being able to do this work, 
It's allowed me to understand the relationship with my father, my alcoholic father, in a way that I didn't, that I, I couldn't touch just through a regular fourth and fifth step. And I've done many of those. The same with my relationship with my mom, but the same with other losses in my life. And here's the, the important part is, you know, you learn best by teaching, you learn best by giving away. This has given me a whole new way to hold presence with people who are hurting in a way that I never thought possible because I was a little bit afraid of people who were hurt and grieving. I didn't know what to do. And now I know what to do. And grieving people no longer frighten me. Um, I can hold space and I've got a tool. I've got a whole toolbox to allow people to experience a method when they're ready that can help them. And the notion is, hey, when do you want to feel better? You want to feel better sooner? Would you like to wait and feel better later? You know, I'm always about let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's do it now and let's move through. So it's helped me hold in space with people in a new way that I never thought possible. Carver Brown, this is why he's on Monday State of Mind. This is why he's here to talk through this. And I love that you said it's an underlying issue that a lot of us don't recognize. And so what I would love to finish up this amazing podcast with is if there was one thing that you could say to somebody that's listening to this that is like, I know I need to grieve or I know that that's something that's a part of me, but they're really scared. They're scared of their emotions. They're scared of pain. I'm scared of pain. It sucks, man. What would you say as like the little boost of confidence to be able to say you can get through this and that grief is normal. It's not abnormal. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's not. And the thing is there's statements that we need to make about our losses, about these relationships that are buried inside of us and they're longing to get out. And as we know that we hold our pain physically in our bodies. And so this stuff just needs to come out. You can put my contact information. I'd be happy to oh, see yeah. anybody who is suffering along these lines and just want some word of comfort and encouragement along the way. But I would say to you, just get the book. Oh, and, and go to the website because I just was on the website of the Grief Recovery Institute and they're giving away free copies. All you have to do is pay for the shipping, which is I think a little over four bucks, and then they'll send you the book. You can also go on Amazon and they've got the soft cover book for 10 bucks on Amazon. And, uh, and get the book. That's what I'm saying. Get the book read through the book. It is so well simply crafted. It's just done for recovery people by a recovery person. And so it's the language is very plain. It's not technical. And so get the book, but get a partner. Get a partner and ask them to get the book too. And just do that. Read through and you're going to have some exercises for you to do. Do the exercises. Get with your partner. Share the exercises. There'll be three sharing sessions. And I promise you, you are going to find a new clarity around your loss that is going to give you a sense of peace 
that you never thought possible. Carver Brown in the house. Carver, like you just said earlier, if anybody is resonating with you and would love to chat with you about this, what is the best way that they can get a hold of you? And we will also put it in the show notes. Yeah, you can get to me by email. I'm carver at casrecovery.com, which is Creative Addiction Services. It's my partner, Lauren, and I. We've got, I don't know, we've got a website just because I think we're supposed to have a website. I don't know. Anyway, but honestly, you can text me. You can telephone me. I am perfectly fine. I get calls from around the country and texts from people. And if you'd like to call and reach out to me. I would be thrilled uh, to talk to anybody about this method. I'm just going to give you my number. You know, I think we're supposed to have boundaries. I have very poor boundaries. I just, you know, I just, I'll talk to anybody. And so this is from my mobile is 601-953-6215. And I want you to know I want to hear from you. And I would love to talk to you about this experience, strength, and hope around this method. It really, really works. Thank you. You are being of service. And just thank you for all the work that you do for the recovery community and for the greater population at large. It is such an honor to know you and to have you here on Monday State of Mind to share your knowledge on grief and loss and sobriety. So thank you so much, Carver Brown, for being with me today. Well, thank you, Michael. Listen, I just get the biggest kick out of you and your energy. I don't need to put gas in my car. I just need to talk to you. And I think I could just drive all over town (laughs) because you give me such strength and hope. So I am a big fan of yours. And I'm just so honored to have been asked to spend this time with you. And anytime you ask me, I'm here for you. That's what I say. And we are out for this episode for Monday State of Mind. I want to go ahead and remind all of you guys that if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Harmony Foundation at 866-686-7867. Recovery is a journey and Harmony gives you the map. All right, we'll see you next week for episode 100. 